What do you get when you mix a cop with suicidal tendencies together with a cop who feels unlucky and on the brink of retiring? I'll tell you what you get. You get Richard Donner as a director and you get Lethal Weapon. The movie was released in 1987 and grossed 120 million plus worldwide. It's one of the best movies that Mel Gibson ever starred in. And the one thing we take from this movie that we've all learned, you can kill as many people as you want in so many crazy ways, as long as there's a cool saxophone behind it. So sit back and enjoy the show. Let me know what you think about it. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, Retro Life for You. My name is Chris Adams, the host of the show, and with me today is none other than Lieutenant Riggs. I, 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 mean, I mean, Travis right. Rollins. Travis Rollins. Yeah. He is a lethal weapon, though, and uh, that's yeah. what we're discussing this week. That's right. Like, you don't trust me at all, do you? <laughs> we got to register you as a lethal weapon, don't we, man? Yeah. I mean, but see, I should have been... But what are you trained in? I mean, like, you know, is that like, like quack foo, duck foo, yeah, ching shang? Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, can, I know a little bit of quack foo. You know, I mean, I, I used to tell everybody that I'm well trained in Taekwondo, mm-hmm. Aikido, and Nintendo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, though, I, I have picked up a little bit of Sega with that, too. You know, in the Nintendo, I get the Contra style going on, mm-hmm. along with a little Mario stance. So, I mean, well, Mario stance—that's good stuff. That's good it's stuff. dangerous. It's, it's a killer. I mean, I, I try not to, you know, get too crazy with it, but I've been known to smash yeah. a few mushrooms and stuff. You have to let people know that your hands are ready to lead the weapons. That's right. Right, people just don't know. But yeah, we are talking Lethal Weapon this week, a uh, 1987 film directed by Richard Donner, writers of oh, Shane yeah. Black and Jeffrey Boehm. Now, Shane Black, do you recognize that name? No. You will in just a minute. I got to tell you, this is cool. Uh, first off, he's considered one of the pioneer screenwriters of the action genre. Uh, he made his mark with the Lethal Weapon in 1987 screenplay but he also collaborated on the story of the sequel, Lethal Weapon 2. Each successive script he turned in had a higher price attached to it, from The Last Boy Scout in 91 all the way to The Last Kiss Goodnight in 96. And in between there, he had a rewrite with John McTiernan in the Schwarzenegger movie, Last Action Hero. He also really? played Hawkins in Predator. Really? The first guy that got killed. Okay. Yeah. So he did a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's. It, it's, I thought there's a pretty cool connection with that there. That is a cool connection. You made a lot of money. Yeah, well, when I've seen him Which in the that's movie seven Predator. Degrees, we got seven degrees of Arnold going on here, too, then. Right, right. Yeah, and, I mean, I, when I saw him in the movie Predator, I didn't realize he was a writer. I mean, I just thought he was another actor, just not, yeah, you know, no like, like top build or anything. And then next thing you know, you find out you know, he's written quite a few of the great action movies. Right. Yeah, we'll see. You also uh Sven Thorson Sven Thorson is in this movie. 
And he, I believe, was in uh, Predator as well. He's like in every movie out there. He's like the he's like the bad guy version of Gene Hackman. Yeah, he's been in he's been in like eighteen and counting uh, Arnold movies. My man was, of course. I immediately always go back to Thorgrim. He was Thorgrim in Conan the Barbarian, mm-hmm. which was one of the two higher up Thulsa Doom lackeys. And uh, he was the one that raised the, the snake. Remember, he's a Thorgrim is beside himself with grief. <laughs> he <laughs> raised that snake since it was a baby or a hatchling. But anyway, he was in Conan the Destroyer. He was a wet red Sonya, raw deal. Uh, yeah, he was uh, lethal weapon. And then right after this movie was when. Uh, uh, Predator release, I believe they came out the same year, and then um, oh, he was in Running Man, Red Heat, Twins, just I mean, on and on. Terminator Two, Dagum. He's been in. I think he was in like all the Lethal Weapon movies too. He may, maybe. I who knows? This dude's I mean, been they've been known to reuse people in, in, in other movies, you know, like sequels. Thinking you won't notice, but someone like him kind of sticks out, <laughs> you know. Yeah, he's like Bolo Young. He he's the Bolo Young of 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 Denmarkians, I suppose. Pretty much. He's been a, it's like the bad guy in every movie. Now, this movie is not the highest grossing movie of the series. You know, a lot of the times the first one is usually the one that does the best when you get a series of films. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of people always say it's the best. Lethal Weapon is one of the few movies that I will honestly say either gets better or holds weight as being just as good as the original. I have to agree with that. Absolutely. Which yeah. one is your favorite? Oh man. Um, I, I'm going to go with number two because I, I like the introduction of Leo gets. I thought it was a fun yeah. character. Leo, Leo gets, I get stuff. <laughs> yeah. Anything you need. Leo gets, you get it. Right. Huh? I come up with that myself. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, this movie budget of fifteen million dollars, hour and forty nine minute runtime. It made opening weekend six million eight hundred twenty nine thousand nine hundred forty nine dollars, March eighth, nineteen eighty seven. It grossed That's U.S. and Canada sixty five million two hundred seven thousand one twenty seven, but grossed worldwide one hundred twenty million two hundred seven thousand one twenty seven. That's a lot of money. A lot of money. That's still a lot of money. It is a lot of money. Gro- wow, yeah. what was the gross worldwide? Uh, $120,207,127. I wonder if number two is like in the 200 millions because number three is 321 million. I did read so earlier that this is the lowest grossing of the films. Right. I, I did read that. So it, it is the lowest grossing. The others all did better. I don't know how much more Lethal Weapon 2 made, though. That Off the top of my head. Be, I'm going to have to look that up before the end of the show, because that would be pretty cool. Yeah, we'll have to figure that one out for sure. I think 3 is probably the... I would think 3 would be the highest grossing. I mean, 3 was good. I mean, it was, no I doubt. But I'm, I I just, you know, to me, 2 was a, was a good story. It was a fun story. And a lot of good action. It gives you some background to Riggs that you uh, learn about in the first movie, but don't really get a background of. And the mm-hmm. second one kind of explores that background of him. Right, right. Understand it. So it's kind of cool. I understand that. I can, yeah. I, I can, I can respect that. 
Yeah, I mean, they did a great job of the series, you know, period. Regard, And, you know, it's a, it's a popular series. I mean, they went to four movies with the fourth right. one having, you know, and they always bring in new stars. So in the fourth one, well, let's go to the third one for a second. We're just going to barely touch on these for a moment. Like in the second one, they brought in. The second one did um, make $227 million, so it did go one, it two, did. three, and the four dropped back down to two, uh, $280 million. Well, that's because four, I mean, I think it was kind of worn out by that point. And that makes me I, wonder. I agree. It, it, it makes me wonder the why they're doing a fifth. Why are they doing a yeah. fifth here soon? I did love the introduction of Jet Li, but other than yeah, that. Yeah, but I mean, and that's what I was getting at a moment ago. That when you, you go to episode, well, not episode, but you go the second installment of the series. All right. They mm-hmm. they, they bring in the character Leo Getz, right? So you get right. Joe Pesci being brought in. And the third one, you know, they bring in Rene Russo. Mm-hmm. All right, she's a new part of the the quote unquote family, right? Right. Um, Leo Getz is still in there as a part of it. She plays the character mm-hmm. Lorna. She's in Internal Affairs, or as Riggs refers to her, uh, Infernal Repairs. Infernal and uh, Repairs, right? Uh, and in the fourth one, you know, you bring in uh, Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Yep. Uh, Butters. He keeps calling him. <laughs> I think it is. Um, but then they bring Jet Li in as well. So, I mean, they introduce something, somebody new and big at each one, right? A new right. part of the family, a new character. Some of it's going to be reoccurring, except for Jet Li, who was the the bad guy in the fourth one. Uh, right. So, I mean, they, they do a good job of stuff like that. And the the cast on its own started out pretty solid. I mean, as far as the immediate, you know, quote unquote, again, family of people. Oh, my goes. gosh. Yeah. Gibson, Glover. And then the bad guy. Let's see. That's what I love about the first one too. I thought Gary Busey's hard to beat as a bad guy. Oh, Gary one. Busey was great. Gary Busey uh, said this movie was like a savior for his career. That it it, yeah. it boosted him back up again, Re- right, revitalized yeah. his career or something like that. Right. And then we uh, also had someone who is responsible for one of the most prolific and I guess famous uh, music front men of all time that you were just informing me about before the show started. Oh yeah. Akitas. 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 Well, there's a guy in in the, in the the first of the movie when um, Riggs is at the Christmas tree lot. He's there to be a part of a drug deal. He's there to score some drugs. Uh, They're using the Christmas tree lot as a cover. And one of the guys that is trying to sell him the stuff is actually a father to a famous front man of a, of a, of a famous band. Uh, so the guy's screen name in the movie, he's just listed as drug dealer number three, but listed right. as Blackie Dammit, or it might may, may even be Dammit. I'm not sure. D-A-M-M-E-T-T <laughs> is how the last name is spelled. Um, right. his, his real last name is Ketis. And uh, that's the father of Anthony Kiedis from Red Hot Chili Peppers. And funny enough, Anthony Kiedis has a small role part in Point Break as well. So kind of following the footsteps of his father, I guess you could say, getting some bit parts in some movies as well as whatever else he wants to do. So I thought that was pretty cool, too. Yeah. And we also have another uh, I guess she would have been very young at the time. Uh, We have an Estevez. We have one of the Sheen babies, Renee Estevez, played an underage hooker that was uncredited. Mark Sheen's daughter. Is it really? 
I didn't yeah, know that yeah, one. Yeah, it really is. It's uh, her. She's the youngest child and only daughter of Janet Sheen and Martin Sheen. Is she one of the ones on the screen where they're going to see about Trixie? Where the little kids are like, I you're going to bust Trixie. So. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I wonder if that's the one. If that's the one that's giving him a description, and Danny Glover has his funny little one-liner on her in the movie, where she's telling him she has things to go do, huh? Oh yeah, do it. What was it? Uh, one-liner uh, was it? Uh, he's he's, she said, I have things to go do. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I think it was. That probably was her. That, Does that mean a, she's she's full she's full blooded. I mean, she's full blood sister to Emilio, Ramon, and Charlie. So I don't know. She never made it big like they did, though. In any way? No, I didn't. I ain't never heard. I ain't never heard of her being in too much after that. I have no. I haven't either. Beyond that, besides that. But I mean, like I said, Star Pack, Star Pack Power, Mel Gibson. I'm gonna say I'm sure at some point we'll probably cover him on the show. Like a whole, we could do a easily do a whole episode. Devoted to Mad Max, man. Mad Max. Uh, there was one that I watched where he had his face disfigured. He got accused. He was a teacher, and he got accused of being um, doing things he shouldn't be doing with some students. But it was untrue. Yeah. Well, oh, there's quite the a name of it. it was, but it was he's got a long enough career. Movie. A long enough career. We can talk about a lot of his movies. Uh, he could be one of those deals where we do like a decade of. Or- yeah, yeah, easily. I mean, between Lethal Weapon and Mad Max, that's what? That's seven movies. Seven, yeah, I think about seven movies right there. Then you got uh, Bird on a Wire with Goldie Hawn. I love that one. Air America. He was in Hamlet. Uh, what was the one where he was the pilot? Uh, Forever Young. Man Without a Face is the name of that other one. Man Without a Face. Ooh, yeah. One we forget about Maverick. I remember when Maverick first came out, man. we Everybody loved that movie. Maverick that was great. That was hilarious. Yeah, that's like this dude. This dude don't was on there. He he plays in tons of movies too. He was in Thunderheart, I believe it's called, with uh, Val Kilmer. He played Chief Joseph in this one. I can't remember his name to save my life, but you'll know who I'm talking about if you've seen the movie. But uh, Maverick Maverick went and found him to, to ask him something, and then there's this beautiful valley with all these mountain ridges around him, you know. And he's like, "Man, you guys pick the most beautiful places." And Chief Joseph looks around. He's like, "Yeah, I know." And then you people keep coming and taking him. He's like, "Next time I'm." <laughs> Get a piece of swampland so god awful nobody will even come near. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. It really is. Yeah, Maverick and like I said, wonderful. like I said, you know, he was in Signs. We were soldiers. The Patriot. Uh, what women want? Um, payback. Oh God! Oh, <laughs> I look, when what women want came out. That was hilarious. Conspiracy theory was a great one. He was in too. That was fun. Is that the one where he was uh, him and Julia Roberts? Yes, played in yeah, uh, Ransom. Ransom was good. Braveheart. Who can forget Braveheart? Right, right. So I mean, so many great movies he was in for sure. I mean, and honestly, I know he got in trouble from that little drunk episode he did when he did Passion of Christ. But I mean, I don't know if you've seen Apocalypto or Hacksaw Ridge, but both of those movies were great. And uh, come to find out, as I'm looking at this, he actually directed The Man Without a Face that I was just talking about, which is a spectacular story. Yeah. Uh, he's supposed to direct The Lethal Weapon 5 when it comes out as well, I read earlier. 
Right. Yeah. And it's in pre-production, I believe. Of course, you mentioned Passion of the Christ. He did that. He's also got the new, the the follow-up of it, The Resurrection. He's also uh, directing. Danny Glover. I mean, he's not someone to be forgotten about. Silverado, The Color Purple, you know, Lethal Weapon, mm-hmm. Mandela, Bat 21, Lonesome Dove, Dead Man Out. Of course, the other Lethal Weapons as well. Yeah, Danny Pred- Predator 2. I want to say... I want to say that he played John Henry in something that I seen in school when I was real young. Remember John Henry, this 10 pound hammer. I could be wrong. The one that, that, that he died racing the steam engine, driving the, breaking the, the rocks and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not sure what the movie would be though. I don't know. He was in BJ and the bear though. I remember that. Yeah. And escape yeah. from Alcatraz. Funny little, little fun fact about him. Lethal Weapon 1, Gary Busey was the bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. Plays in Predator 2 later. Gary Busey plays kind of like a bad guy in a sense. Mm-hmm. He's not really, you know, the bad guy, but, you know, he's he's making waves, to say the least. Making things difficult. Right, right. Uh, he shows up in Maverick. <laughs> we were just talking about Maverick. <laughs> Do you remember this? The scene no. where Danny Glover's in Maverick? All right, so I'm trying to think. I can't remember it. Brett Maverick's in the bank trying to get money that the banker owes him for something, mm-hmm. right? These two guys come in to rob the bank, and they got the their stuff I, over their I, face I or the handkerchiefs over the face. He pulled his mask down because he knew him. Like he pulled yes. his mask down, and they started. But, he, yes. but he's looking at him. He's like, he shakes his head and goes, "No." Nah. And the other, and he's also like, "No, nah, can't be him." No. And as he's Drop. going off, you hear, um, <laughs> you hear, um, you hear him going. I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. And then did you ever see uh Gone Fishing where he, he was in there with uh it was him and Joe Pesci? Yeah, it sounds familiar. I believe I do yeah. believe I've seen it. Yeah, it was another one of them kinda like uh kinda like grumpy old men type thing. Yeah. It was Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, I do remember that. Awesome that. I remember that one being I, hilarious. You know, he he's had a couple of movies he played in as well too. They're kind of like a, uh, you know, I mean, I guess like family type films in a way. I mean, he did he did uh, Angels in the Outfield, played the coach of the team, right? Yeah, the, the California that, yeah. Angels, then played an Operation mm-hmm. Dumbo Drop. I remember that very well. He was one of the main characters in that. Yeah, so I mean, he he's got a very distinctive list was, of movies. He was a judge in one of my favorite courtroom dramas, The Rainmaker. Yeah. That was yep. a good one. Well, some of these yep. others that you know that was in the movie, I have seen, of course, Gary Busey. Gary Busey, I'm not right. gonna say, you know, I mean, it's it's hard to say he wasn't a big star, but I don't think he was as big as he as he thought he was either. He's strange, he's weird. I mean, at at right. one point he was quoted saying well, I don't remember the exact quote, but he said something along the lines of that he it, it, he thought it was healthy for the his his feet or something like that that he peed in the shower and stood and stood in there. <laughs> I don't know why he said this, but I swear to you, as sure as I'm sitting here right now, he mentioned something about peeing in the shower and how good it was for you and, and your and your feet. Yeah, on his feet. Yeah, yeah, he was big on that because uh, it helps with athletes' feet. That's a real. Is that's it, a real thing, though. Is that what it was? It's no, such yeah, a funny that's a thing. Real, that's a sign. That's a real scientific thing. Like, but it's such a funny this. thing for somebody to say. I mean, come on. And then you yeah, know he was in he was in Point Break playing Keanu Reeves' partner. 
um, right. un, well, under see, siege was, as Commander Krill. He, he was in a bunch of stuff back in the seventies, though. See, he, so I could I could see why this would have revitalized his career, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, uh, I was it the third Magnificent Seven movie, Magnificent Seven Ride, um, which nothing touches the first one. Uh, right. He was in the Kung Fu TV series, The Last American Hero. He was in a, a Clint movie. I don't remember which one it was, but he was Thunderbolt in that. Lightfoot. There you go. I guess well, he's in the, uh, he he's in the, in the light I remember him as buddy. The, the youngest I can remember seeing him was buddy and buddy. And he was buddy Holly in the buddy Holly right. story. Right. I, that's the youngest I can remember seeing him. Now that was two years before I was born, but I watched a lot of stuff. I've been watching movies all my life. So <laughs> I guess Thunderbolt and Lightfoot's the, the earliest one I've seen him in. Yeah. So, but uh, so yeah, he was in the yeah, buddy he Holly was, story for sure. He was in Barbarossa. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC Cab. Barbarossa, that was uh, a pirate movie, wasn't it? Have you ever seen DC Cab? It's got Mr. That T in sounds it. Sounds familiar. DC Cab. Yes, yeah, so it's 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 from it's from 1983. It has Mr. T in it. This is when he was big with the A team and everything. Right. So I don't think it, it I've was, ever seen that one. Was, if I, I, I have, believe. I was a I was young. I probably it's have kind of a seen comedy. it because I, I loved Mr. T. Remember, he was. Uh, we were big on wrestling too. You know, we're in the NWA area over here, and uh, so we didn't get to see him a lot in person. But right. uh, I remember when he was doing the wrestling thing with WWF or WWE for the first uh, WrestleMania. Yeah, and the yeah. second so one. We was we were big on Mr. T and then Rocky and all that stuff. You know. Yeah, yeah. And then let's see what else we got here for Gary Busey. Let's uh, give him his credit here. He got uh, Uncle Fred. I'm sorry, Uncle Red and Silver Bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, movie called Let's Get mm-hmm. Harry, which was good. Have you seen Eye of the Tiger? I probably. Eye of the Tiger is from '86. I remember seeing this. So it went. Uh, I don't know if it made it the movies or just straight to VHS or something. But I remember watching this. He's like a, a ex con getting out of jail, going back to his hometown or something. He's a little girl. Uh, some drug dealers are trying to take over the that. town, and he's got this. May, and he's got this super like nice truck, tall top thing, kind of like yeah. But it's this super nice truck in it. It's really cool mm-hmm. that he ends hey, up yeah. using. So um, I have seen this, and then of course we go further up. We got Lethal Weapon, Bulletproof, Act of Piracy, mm-hmm. Predator Two, Point Break. Gosh, uh, the Firm, Under Siege. Of course, he was Commander Krill in Under Siege. Yeah, I, that, that's why I mentioned earlier. Not, not too long ago, we pulled his. I loved it when he he was looking at Tommy Lee Jones. And he was dressed in the damn. He was dressed in drag. Yeah, he pulled the wig off his head. And he's like, "Do I look like I need a psychological evaluation to you?" And Tommy Lee Jones was like, "Not at all. <laughs> not at all." <laughs> Played in the comedy Rookie of the Year as a uh, Chet Stedman, the pitcher who was aging and didn't have anything left in him. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, he was um, in Drop Zone too that we were talking about not long ago with Wesley Snipes. Yes, and that is you know I, I really have to find that movie and watch it again. The Black so, Sheep, Chris Farley. Funny movie, not Great. quite as funny as its original movie called Tommy Boy, <laughs> but very true, very true. Hey, wasn't was, he a cop in uh the Johnny Depp movie where he's on drugs the whole movie? Uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. You know, I don't remember if he was so or he not. He was a cop in there. I'm sure of it. I know that's one of my favorite movies. It's not one of my favorite movies, but I've watched yes, it a lot. Yes, he was. That's his Highway Patrolman listed is his uh, role. Yeah. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. 
it's Universal people, Soldier it's funny because it's people like him that you know you when you see him he may not be as big of a star as what he thinks or what even some of us think of him as because he's not been in a whole ton of lead positions or things like that. But he's one of those that is so quirky and out there. And, and yeah. honest to God, I think he's a pretty great actor too. Um, that when you, as soon as you see him in a movie, it's just like, Ooh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I know him. Uh some of the others in here, I mean, I, I can't say the rest of them had a lot of, in my opinion, anyway, I don't recognize them from a lot of other stuff that they had, you know, right. stellar careers. Uh, Tracy Wolf might've been in some other stuff. That's one that plays Rihanna. Uh, well, Mitchell Ryan, I think probably Mitchell Ryan was in some stuff for sure. The one that plays the general, uh, he was in some things. Yeah. Yeah, he was. In, uh, I, I know his he face. He's Dredd. one of those guys you just mentioned. I know his face. I've seen him in things. I can't think of a title, but if I see him, I'll point him right. out and I know him. Yeah, one of them that you know his face, but you don't necessarily know his name. Right. And like Tom Bill Atkins Pullman. is the same way. Tom Atkins right. played Michael Hunsecker. Like Bill Pullman. Does anybody listening know who Bill Pullman is without me telling you? I mean, and I the do. Only thing to, the best way I could tell you, too, and everybody goes, oh, that guy. He was he played the president in Independence Day. Right, that's the best way to know who he is. Easiest way. Yeah, it, it, yeah, and I don't, he's one in that I probably shouldn't know his name. I don't feel like he's that huge of a star, but for some uh, reason I do. Right, doing stuff like this so much probably. Yeah, so like I said, the, the rest of the crew in this thing wasn't really that big of a deal, but you know we gave the main people their props there. That's all that matters, I guess. The, the, the yeah, storyline to it was good. It, it was a good story. It was rewritten two or three times before it was officially, um, you know, filmed and everything. The original versions of it, well, they said it was too dark and they didn't want to go yeah. with it. One of the versions had both Riggs and Murtaugh being Vietnam veterans and talking about their, you know, past lives in the war and the bad things they've done and things. Uh, Mel Gibson yeah. being a person who would brag about the amount of kills he had not being the unstable person looking to commit suicide or something that it ended, yeah. up, ended up being. So uh, several rewrites, but I mean, the version we got ultimately I think was really good with uh, Gibson's I did, character. I, I, liked, I liked his craziness, his yes. survivor's guilt. I think ultimately yeah. is what it would be categorized as. I think so too, because yeah. it's all about because his wife got killed. Right. You know, yeah, he was blaming crazy, the job. For it. And he had seen so much as, a, as, wasn't he a Green Beret? He was Special Forces, wasn't he? He was a field Special Forces. I don't think he was Green Beret. He was a part yeah, of the. Did it, did it ever say what he was? I don't remember if it ever said what he was. I think he just said Special Forces because when the kid pointed out the tattoo like he had, he saw on the other guy, he tells mm-hmm. uh, Murtaugh that was Special Forces. Uh, I don't remember him saying any particular type of Special Forces, though. So well, I if I saw really, the tattoo, I would. I could definitely tell you. Yeah. Well, you can, you can look it up and see if you can find it. I don't know for sure if they'll show a picture of it. They may, though. I don't really right, remember right. if they did or not. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't, want, I don't want to call him burnt out cop, but I mean, someone who is definitely on the verge of something bad. He's got a lot of, like you said, guilt in him, uh, a lot of depression. Right, to the point where he just don't care no more. Right. I mean, he wakes up and puts a gun in his mouth and to his head. And like, is he, this going to be the day that he kills himself? It looks like in the movie, then he doesn't do it. Uh, they end up pairing him with a new partner in, uh, Roger Murtaugh, um, 
which was a funny way they introduced themselves to each other. Uh, Murtaugh thinks he's a perp there in the, in, in the precinct. And he sees him with a gun in his hand and yells, gun! And he takes off after him and Riggs is surprised, don't know what to do. And then he hip tosses him over and points the gun at him. And they're like, uh, meet your new partner. And he's that's when he's like, getting too old for this. Right, right. So I guess I guess we would have to say that it was Green Berets because he was he was in the army. He was in the army. So it was Army okay. Special Forces. Okay. And that's colloquially known as the Green Berets. I mean, you could call you could call the the Airborne Rangers part of the special forces but usually when you say special forces especially when you're talking about you know, the army is usually the green berets so I, I would imagine that's probably what it is but anyway all right uh did you know a little fun tidbit i found earlier okay do you remember at the uh, beginning of it when the girl which ends up being amanda hunsecker that um you know they're supposed to be investigating the death of when she falls off the building yeah, uh, she, she performs the high fall on her own. Really? Yeah, she was trained by legendary stuntman Dar Robinson, and I believe that same guy died in a wreck before, just as the movie was done wow. being done, and they dedicated the movie to him. I think that's the same person. I won't swear to it, so don't quote me on it. But it says um, also the stunt was done using an airbag covered with a life-size painting of the driveway and the cars which like a foreground miniature usually blend uh, the visually blends in with the real scene. Thus the editor is able to hold the shot until just as she makes contact with the airbag for greater realism. What would be the thoughts going through your head knowing you're doing a stunt, but it looks like you're legit headed straight for the ground because the painting makes it look like you're going to the ground. It's it's I guarantee you it's the same exact feeling as when you're riding the sky coaster at Carowinds. It jacks you about 245 feet up in the air and then they move the platform that you just got put into this basically safety evacuation harness that you hang from helicopters in. They move that platform and there's a humongous bullseye painted on the freaking concrete. And when you swing down at the lowest point, you're six feet off the ground. Probably for wow. something like that. Wow. <laughs> uh, not Not for me, man. Not for me. Oh, we got video of me doing it somewhere, man. It was, it was so much fun. I'm a drilling junkie anyway, but that one right there, that was kind of spooky. The pullback yeah. was the scary part because you're looking at all this dag, all these rocks and riprap down below you, and you're mm-hmm. you're hanging by a cable about as big as my thumb, which is, I mean, you can lift a car with that, but but yeah, it's still spooky. But did, I imagine it. So I mean, I have seen these people, and when I was living in Panama City, doing the little uh, thing where you get catapulted into the air straight up. Yeah, the slingshot. We've done that a bunch of times, too. Yes, I've seen them doing that stuff, man. And the people who are uh, controlling it mess with them. Like, right before they do it, they were like, hey, why isn't your harness on correctly? That's a safety harness. And they look at it to fix it. They hit the button. And they start looking. Yeah. Yeah. And they sling it to get the screams out of them. The the fourth time that I went to the the Sky Coaster, um, one of the people that worked there told me what they have done in the past during – the testing because you get they yeah. got to test the rods every morning and uh i was like well i get kicked out if i do that to uh if i know the people that i'm with and he's like i mean you know if it was an accident and you freaked out i don't guess you would and i was like gotcha so <laughs> halfway up what one of the people i didn't know but another the person that was in the middle my buddy jay 
uh, so halfway up, I pulled the rip. So I pulled the rip cord all the time. So you're supposed to get up to the top and you said, do you hear the speakers go three, two, one fly. And you yank the rip cord and it locked, it unlocks you and lets you swing. Well, halfway up, I get to talking about this stuff. I was like, man, what would happen if, if like this cable just broke, dude? And they're like, yeah, they got a safety cable though hooked to us to keep us from that. I was like, they were trying to talk their way down. And I'm like, yeah, man, that just freaked me out, though. So, like, in the middle of the conversation, I yanked it. And they just thought, <laughs> oh, my God, dude. I thought they were going to pee themselves, man. Was like, <laughs> <laughs> Jay was like, ah, ah. <laughs> That is so mean. <laughs> Heck, yeah. I was man. like, I, had, I got caught on my bracelet. <laughs> I forgot what I told them. Oops. But did you know that the director's cut is not actually a director's cut? But it's a promotion by Warner's Warner Brothers that features seven additional minutes and a new trailer scene. Really? Yeah. So it's got That's nothing to do with. It's got nothing to do with a, a director's cut. It was just a market employee. So, well, like extra scenes that wasn't included in the original added into it. Yeah. It, well, it, it's in a new trailer scene. Riggs smashes his TV with a beer bottle. And later he buys a new one. Murtaugh, before partnering with Riggs, goes to practice at the firing range. Riggs, before a dope shootout, answers a call in a schoolyard with a sniper. And then Riggs walks out into the line of fire and kills the sniper, emptying his clip into him. Riggs, after leaving Murtaugh's house, goes out with, to solicit a prostitute. The aftermath is not shown, but Riggs says he wants to take her home and watch the Three Stooges with him. And he'll give her $100. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is pretty funny. That's but crazy. That's pretty good. <laughs> I wish I'd found that one. <laughs> I'd not see that one We're anywhere. Right. That would be a good one. That's crazy. You know, Mel Gibson turned down two movies also to be in this movie. Uh, really? He turned down the starring role in The Fly, and he oh. also turned down the starring role of Untouchables. I think he could have pulled Untouchables off for sure, but I think I like uh, this. We're talking about the Jeff, uh, man, uh, yes, the um, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, what you, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, the Jeff Goldblum version. I like Jeff in that role. Uh, there was something too. There's two things that tie together here. Two little tidbits okay. that tie together. Uh, Mel Gibson and Bruce Willis were considered for each other's roles in Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. And both movies were produced by Joel Silver with music by Michael Kamen. Willis was offered the role of Martin Riggs, but turned it down. And a year later did Die Hard. And Gibson was considered to play McLean along with his co-stars from The Expendables 3, Harrison Ford, Sylvester Stallone, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. They all turned it down. Uh, Coincidentally, the script for Die Hard with a Vengeance was briefly considered to be filmed as a Lethal Weapon sequel, but they didn't do it. The other little tidbit that goes along with that, the gun mm-hmm. that Mel Gibson uses in the movie is also yeah. the same prop gun that Bruce Willis uses in Die Hard. No way. The one yeah, taped to his same, back? Same gun. That's awesome. Speaking of his gun, did you? Uh, one of the goofs in the movie, too, is, you know, uh, Riggs is always talking about, <coughs> talking about a hollow point. When right. you're talking about killing stuff, I took the hollow points. Well, both times that they showed that, he was using the FMJ. There wasn't no hollow points. He never put a hollow point in his weapon. I thought that Crazy. was a good one. Goof. And then at the beginning, when uh, another one, uh, as at the beginning of it, when um, 
I guess it's Murtaugh's daughter yeah. is coming down the stairs in the New Year's Eve dress. And she said, don't you like it? Isn't it cool? But her lips don't move. <laughs> so they hired, <laughs> a vin- they hired a ventriloquist. I, I mean, it. yeah, that's great. I mean, that's great. Oh, would that make her the dummy? Because no, no, no. Her lips didn't move. She'd be the ventriloquist. She'd be the ventriloquist. Yeah. That's right. That's awesome. Did you have any uh, anything about the movie that's a favorite scene of yours or something you didn't like about it? Um, off the top of my head, it, it was one of those things to me that kind of harkens back to uh, what we were talking about in the commando, the end fight scene. Mm-hmm. That I didn't feel like Gary Busey could have whipped Mel Gibson. I don't. I don't feel like what's his name could have whipped Riggs. Cause he's like, you want a shot at the title, Joshua? I don't think Joshua could have took Riggs on. I think Riggs would have whooped him hands down. Yeah, the, but he was a member funny of you his say old that, crew. Yeah, it is funny. It's funny you say that though. Yeah. Because they brought in Gary Busey because they felt he was someone that looked like he could match up with because he was uh, bigger, I guess maybe. Probably. I mean, that's probably what it was, but that's the reason why they probably crazy. They're crazies. You know what I mean? They try to out crazy one another. Yeah. Did you know, uh, they both were kind of trained for the movie in three different styles of fighting. That's crazy. The fight scene was great. Yeah. When they started going at it, like Busey was like, it looked good, but then I didn't, it looked way better than the doggone, commando fight but yeah when he said you want a shot at the title like that that was my favorite i got to this day that's my favorite scene because that's like the only one that came to mind when he said you got a favorite and it was them fighting in the rain out there in the middle of the thing and like i love what i the other thing that i loved about that was it was a gritty dirty fight you know what i mean like yeah like Riggs was busted up and daggum you know what i mean like they went through it so even though I, you know, looking at the matchup, I didn't like the looks of the matchup. The matchup did work very well. It did. It did. Took them four nights to film that fight. Really? Yeah. And uh, they had three. Did, they, I would imagine they could make the rain. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure they made the rain scene. Uh, yeah. They had three different trainers come in to bring them to the different styles. They had one for Capoeira. Uh, they had one for something called Jailhouse Rock, which is a uh, obviously a awesome. prison form of fighting. And then they right. had one, one of the Gracie people, uh, one of the Gracie family come in and show them Brazilian, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu. It, it's funny to me that, okay, so they don't teach this style anymore because it's, I don't know why. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say anything because I, I, I don't know for sure. But I do know that the U.S. military used to teach Shotokan. Shotokan was one of the, the disciplines that, special forces learned and it's surprising to me that they didn't showcase any of that because he would have been in the middle rigs would have been in the military the same around the same time frame that my dad was which was you know uh the last maybe I, <laughs> well that's been still going on but i guess you would say officially the last probably five you know three to five years of the uh of the vietnam conflict Mm-hmm. the police action <laughs> so do i know during that time they were teaching shotokan well we mentioned earlier uh you know different people uh being considered for roles in the movie right so in the movie right as far as uh well something else to bring up first though actually did you know that uh, they were playing characters much older than what they were 
Like Danny really, Glover's it's usually the character. Other way around. They play characters it, much younger than what they yeah, are. Yeah, usually. But I mean, Danny Glover's character, uh, Roger Murtaugh, is 50 years old in the movie. But Glover was only 40 in 1986. Mel Gibson was only 30 when the movie was filmed, although his character is supposed to be 38. And Murtaugh, well, Danny Glover, is only 14 years older than his oldest daughter in the movie. Really? Yes. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy for that, but talking about people who were considered for the roles in the movie, um, Gary Busey's role, Mr. Joshua, John Saxon was the first choice for the role, but he was busy shooting a nightmare on Elm street, three dream warriors. He couldn't take it. Say what now? Repeat that. John Saxon. He was in enter the dragon, Elm street, a few other things. He was considered, well, he was the first choice for the role of Mr. Joshua. Oh. But he had to turn it down because he was busy shooting a Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Really? Yeah. Was he training for people for, or was he in it? In it. He was, was supposed he to be Mr. It? He was supposed to be Mr. Joshua. Oh. Not Gary Busey. No, I mean, what was he in, um, in Nightmare? He was uh, Nancy's father, the cop. Oh really? Yeah, he was in, oh, in the uh, in, in the original Elm Street movie. Her father was John Saxon. In the third movie, they when she reprises her role as Nancy as someone who's like a dream expert. Now she's been studying uh, dream patterns and stuff like that to help you know people who are having problems with their dream. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a bit role in that one where he comes back to help them you know because they need to know where he hid Freddy's bones. Basically, yeah. that's how they were killing him in that one. Mm-hmm. We did a show on that one. I, I believe this is during your time you were out. Uh, I, I, when I was having different co-hosts, um, myself and um, uh, Tim actually were doing this one. And we did a Nightmare on Elm Street uh, Nancy story, we called it. So we went over Elm Street 1 and 3 and put all her stuff okay. together, which was kind of fun. Um, Brian Dennehy was considered for the role of Murtaugh. Because Murtaugh, when the movie w- was scripted and wrote, there was no... I could, probably, I could see that. Yeah, you could. And then there, there was him. no mention in the script of any ethnicity or anything like that. Uh, they didn't. There was no saying that Riggs had to be white and Murtaugh had to be black or somebody had to be Indian or anything like that. It was just a wide-open script for whatever you want them to be. And somebody paired them two together... Um, Glover and um, Gibson, they thought they played that they made a good uh, duo together on on, on okay. camera. But Denny was considered for the role, but he turned it down because he'd already played cops in so many films like First Blood and FX and things of that nature. Um, him and Danny Glover also appeared, I believe, together in Silverado. Oh, um, heck yeah. so, now for General McAllister. We just been talked about him earlier. You see, he's one of those guys where you see him and like you don't know him, but you're like, "Hey, General McAllister, mm-hmm. lethal weapon." Um, Lee Marvin, Bruce Dern, Richard Jordan, James Earl Jones, Peter Boyle, and Robert Duvall were all considered for the role of General McAllister. Oh wow! I could see Robert majority Duvall. of them. Yeah, Robert yeah, Duvall. Okay, totally. Lee Marvin, I mean, Bruce Dern, who I, I know him a lot for more like a lot of Westerns and stuff, really. He was also in one of my, uh, 
I don't say it's a favorite. Well, it, it, it was a good movie I liked in the 90s called Digstown. He was in that. Hey, Played a really good role in it. That sounds familiar. I feel like I've seen that. I have been looking. That's why I've been kind of kind of off to the side here. I have been looking for Shotokan and why it was taken out of the military, the U.S. military. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I know good and well it was taught. I know good and well it was taught. But I don't even see... I don't see anywhere it was mentioned and I don't see what it does where it mentions even what disciplines are taught to the green berets period. It could be something they don't want known martial arts. It might be, it might be, I might be privy to some information there. It's funny, uh, you know, going through YouTube videos a lot, you know, and they get the ads at the beginning of it or break off an ad to the middle of a clip you're watching or something. Right. There's was one where some guy was wanting to sell you on his course that he was doing, and it was about a style of self-defense that is the world's best self-defense that will take care of you in any situation. And it's not something like you'd see in UFC with people fighting. It's the thing that he said that they taught yeah, special like forces Krav in the military. Or, yeah, it'd be like Krav Maga or, or QCB or something like Shotokan. Shotokan's very effective in street fighting. It just made me think of that, though, when we were talking about that, though. Yeah, there's there's actually quite a few styles that are, are disciplines that are not used and not useful in um, in MMA for, honest, honestly, the, the lethality. Because it's about, it's about effing people up and getting out of the way. It's not about, you know, we're going to get through this and that. And I mean, don't think for a second you can't dismantle someone with BJJ because, you know, you start – ripping people's arms out of sockets and dislocating joints and you know what I mean? Tearing muscles away from skeletal regions. That's which can easily be done. I had my, uh, my groin was torn uh, when I wrestled or they call it the banana split. Uh, dude put me in a banana <laughs> split. And when he souped it, it's where you take it. You, you force the person to do a split, but the difference is you take your, even if you're real, uh, flexible this still sucks because one leg is bent over like uh like you're sitting indian style sort of so yeah. it's like one, your, your calf is touching the back of your quad i guess you'd say and uh when they soup it it just it rips apart well then the same kid he did it to me on purpose me and him didn't like each other very much and then when i got back on the mat i grabbed him in an iron cross and then i folded it it's all about something about folding that appendage over so an iron cross is where you've got their arm one arm locked in between a leg and then you've got another arm either in front of you and pulling their arms apart or you can put it under your other arm and pull it well what i did was i folded it over kind of like a chicken wing and souped it and when i did it ripped his it ripped his peck off of his chest so his pec muscle tore 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 the, the bottom lateral side of his pec muscle off of his chest so wrestling submission moves are dangerous but you know what i mean it's like you can still if you know what you're doing to not hurt someone it's like okay here we go here we go here we go here we go like we did that to each other on purpose whereas you know in certain disciplines of strikes and things like this like like bruce the bruce lee two inch punch and bruce lee teaches you that you punch two inches behind your target and and when you learn muscle control and muscle uh, reflex, then you can control where that's going. But when you land a punch that you're aiming two inches behind someone, that's the kind of stuff that stops hearts. You know what I mean? Like 
crushes stuff. It's, it's not a good, uh, that's a technique that you also use in breaking techniques. So uh, the, the iron cross and the banana split sounds like you're talking like what we'd be watching at WrestleMania this weekend. I know, right? <laughs> I hope Cody, I hope Cody wins or he did win. Is it over? Well, I haven't seen anything tonight. So, uh, for those of you, um, listening tonight, as we're filming this, this is a uh, Sunday when WrestleMania night two is going on. So, if you are a uh, wrestling fan, this is not going to be a spoiler, I don't guess, since this will be out after WrestleMania. But uh, right. I didn't watch all of night one or anything. When I came home, I uh, just went back far enough to see the main event for the night, which was uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn against the Usos. Yeah, I saw I saw the result of that. Yeah, so I was happy with that one. I'm pretty sure that uh, Cody Rhodes is going to win tonight since they've already lost the tag titles. I'm pretty sure this yeah. is where you're going to see the dismantling of the bloodline. It could go that way, or it could go that Roman retains it because you know how they push Roman. I hate well, someone else, Roman. someone else said the ultimate swerve would be Cody Rhodes not winning it, but then something happening on the following Monday Night Raw where he loses it to Cody anyway, or somebody else, just right. out of the blue. I think uh, Cody deserves it. I mean, the man, the man. I ain't gonna say single-handedly because it wasn't, but the man was pretty, pretty heavily responsible for building a company that was knocking on Vince's door. You know, AEW oh, was getting. I huge. mean, they're still knocking on Vince's door, but I mean, they're just yeah, they're they're never gonna be a real threat because of how long WWE has been in business and the fan base right. that they built. The biggest that yeah, they could ever become is the newest WCW, and I guess yeah. that's for another show one day, right? I mean, we could. Me and Ray talked about yeah, this we're getting uh, off track when, again. when uh, Ray Franklin <laughs> was on here one night, and we talked about this a lot, and uh, about the episode where we talked about how uh, pay per views changed wrestling. So, yeah, that's a a lot of mm-hmm. stuff we can talk about there. Definitely a whole show for a night. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm, I'm kind of no hoping doubt. he does. But I do hope Cody wins. I think he deserves it. Yeah, yeah, uh, and 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 for multiple reasons that I won't go into right now. But yeah, he he deserves. Yeah. I, I think he deserves it, and he deserves it for his father as well. So, hundred percent, that would be that'd be great. Dustin, I think Dustin. Okay, we're going we can talk about this later. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tell you, I tell you, my favorite scene of the movie. Uh, yeah, I asked you yours, yours earlier, which you what you thought your favorite scene was. Uh, I I did like the end fight scene, of course, but I want to pick something a little bit different that kind of showcases Riggs's character as how crazy he can be, but yet how great of a copy is at the same time, not Mm -hmm. how good of a soldier he was because we see other scenes where his soldier side, his soldier persona comes out uh, when they're going to rescue Rianne at the end of it. Um, But in the, toward the beginning when the guy's on the roof and he's going to jump, right? Right. And uh, he's, oh he goes over to talk him down. You want to go? Oh, my <laughs> he goes, God. Dude. You want to do it? Do you want to? Do you want to? Yeah, well, let's, <laughs> let's go. Do let's do and it. Then they, and then he jumps off with him and rigs. I mean, Murtaugh's in there like, no, did, did, don't did jump. He, did he handcuff himself to him to do yes. it? He, yes. Yeah. Because he tells like, him. He's he says, take him with him. He's like, man, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> says, I might be crazy, but if you jump, you're going to be a cop killer. You're not going to kill yourself. You're going to kill me, too. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it. And as he, he snatches him up, he goes, do you really? Do you want to? You know, let's <laughs> do yeah. it. That, was that great. is a good one. And uh, so I, that's like a, a scene that I like for pretty cool. I thought 
as far as anything I didn't like about it, really, I mean, I, I can't say there's anything I truly hated about it. I mean, I thought the story was great. I thought the cast was good. They had a right. uh, a good good casting of people playing Murtaugh's family that was supporting cast members in the movie. Uh, the General McAllister character was very believable. Gary Busey was very believable as Mr. Joshua. I have no gripes about it, I honestly. Like about it. What's that? I got something I didn't like about it. I didn't like I didn't like Riggs's fake mullet because <laughs> it wasn't even a real mullet. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like I didn't like his hair. <laughs> uh, well, what do you and I know about mullets? I mean, if if, if hair grew long on us, they'd call it a skull. We got reverse mullets. Yeah, we got <laughs> mullets. That's what they call. That's what they call Hulk Hogan's hair—a skullet because he got no hair on top and yeah. long in the back. Skullet. Yeah, you know, the the party in the front faded away. <laughs> that's right. There's uh, business in the front, party in oh, the back. Oh, that's right. I've got it backwards. All right. <laughs> well, as you can tell, I've never had a mullet. I guess so. There's that. Yeah, that your your exhibit A. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Well, I guess we're gonna go ahead and start wrapping this thing up here. We pretty much talked about everything we can for the movie, and we're starting to get really off track with other things. So. We'll go ahead and start wrapping this up. I just want to make a couple of quick announcements again. I mean, this week we do, there are some things that have changed with the podcast. We have a website now. Uh, it's spelled a little bit differently than I spelled this, you know, retro life for you. I, I got the number four and Y-O-U for the title of the podcast. The website, however, is retro life, the number four and the letter U.com. I know it's might be a little bit confusing. Hopefully people, you know, get to hang of that quick but we we do have a website there you can play the podcast straight from the website the new releases uh the archives anything you want to play there it's all available um check it out at the top of the page there is a thing you can click on that says pod chaser and it's got five stars there four or five stars one of the two uh click on it and it gives you the opportunity to give us a rating straight from the website there you don't have to go anywhere else just click on it and you know put what you want, how many stars you want to give us. Uh <clears throat> five stars. And um <laughs> it, it gives us a rating on Podchaser. So when you go to Podchaser, uh you can see on there other podcasts that are there and you can see how people have ranked them and what they thought of them. Uh check us out on Instagram, you know, same handle retro life for you and Facebook as well. And I got more things coming out for TikTok. Uh, little small videos just for fun. Here soon I'm um there's a place I've mentioned before called uh, buy me a coffee. Uh, I'm going to use it for like a blog site for the podcast, but also I want to put extra material on there. So we've been talking, Travis and I have about extra content for the, for the podcast and the regular podcast we're doing now, the audio is going to remain the same eighties and nineties movies for the most part. And we'll sprinkle in little seventies and two thousands when we're feeling giddy. You never know. Right. Um, but Heck yeah, Extra content, Travis. You no know, music, TV shows, uh, mm-hmm. uh, toys, collectibles. Toys. You know the the fun stuff. The fun uh, we're stuff. gonna have a lot of extra content. Some things on YouTube. Some things on Buy Me a Coffee. Uh, Buy Me a Coffee. Some things will be free on there. Some of it's gonna be like membership stuff. So I mean, and the membership starts anywhere from. It, it gives you options: one dollar, two dollars, three dollars, four dollars, five dollars. Anything in that range doesn't matter what you pick. And it uh, makes you a member on there. If I read this correctly, if I'm wrong, I apologize, but I'll, I'll double check into it, but I'm pretty sure that's how I understand it. Uh, so there's going to be some, uh, some, some extra things in there that you won't get on audio here, of course, or on YouTube. 
So it might be something you might like. Uh, give it a little while so we get some stuff up there and then check it out. And if you want to go support the podcast and help us out with some things, you can go there and just uh, become a member now and you know, get uh, whatever uh, blogging and things that I get put up there for the time being, anywhere from $1 to $5. And I believe it's reoccurring each month, so just keep that in mind. So for the cost of a soft drink and a bag of chips, one day you can support a podcaster I, at I Retro Life for you. For less, for less than a soft drink and a bag of chips, for less than yes. that, less you can than. support us. Um, yes, Travis. Support us because we're partners. We're partners. Yes. What happens yes. to you happens to me. That's right. Well, I was going to ask you if you had any parting words for us. Yeah, I was going to let you know what one shepherd said to the other shepherd. But what did one shepherd say to the other shepherd? Just, let's get the flock out of here. <laughs>